Thanks for joining. My name is Clark and uh, one of the hosts of the show. And then we got Russell over there who's uh, part-timing as our engineer today. Is um, It's a little too late on the East Coast for <laughs> our uh, <laughs> our little young engineer. Where where are you podcasting from? Uh, we're in San Francisco. Okay. And this is for the hole in the head coming up next weekend. That's right. That's right. We're happy to talk to you both. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, have have you guys participated in a hole in the head before? No. All right, enjoy <laughs> yourself. Yeah, yeah, we're getting drilled right now. <laughs> Indeed, we're happy to have you. Um, all right, Russ, uh, everything's good to go. Yeah, I think we're fine, and um, uh, you don't need to keep smiling. We're not recording video, so you don't have to pretend. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks okay. for hanging out with. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, yeah, George put us in contact. We love George, and you're in good hands at another hole in the head. So oh, cool. we, we've been trying to help them out for years, and this is the first time they kind of let us in. And I was at a screening of Thanksgiving, and he came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to talk to uh, Elfman? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, you know, do you want to do an interview? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And uh, I was like, we're talking Richard, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, perfect, because I'm a huge modern vampire fan. We're, this is a big modern vampire house, yeah. Richard. Big modern vampire house. We got some vampires for you on Bloody Bridget. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. You beat me to my segue. And I have to say, whenever we're talking about Richard, you know, the first thing that comes up is Forbidden Zone. And me and Clark, I haven't been able to see him since he watched it. First thing came up was, I'm like, dude, I like Bloody Bridget more. Like, hands down. And I don't know. I don't mean to be rude or anything. I know that's a classic. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not lying. I think uh, you're on to something here. <laughs> Well, <laughs> uh, blood only whets her appetite. She must eat their beating hearts. And they all fucking deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly do. So, Anastasia, how, how was that playing uh, a very, um, you know, revenge-laden, uh, you know, sort of uh, latent vampire to a certain extent? Oh, man, it was great. Uh very empowering. Uh, I loved it. I love getting messy. I love, you know, <laughs> doing stunts. I loved it all. Anastasia, I don't mean to be rude here. And I know whenever I open up anything like that, people think I'm about to be rude. Yeah, me included. But, <laughs> but I know you look worried. Hey, but rude I is find... fine. Rude is fine. Just nothing boring, but rude is fine. Perfect. All right, then you're in good hands. Because, you know, I... um. I have a couple of friends who did interpretive dance before and I could never understand it. And I didn't see the appeal. And when this, when this movie opened up with a, a dance routine, I was kind of blown away because I'm like, if this was most burlesque or even dance in general, I could fuck with it. And I honestly, I, I think it's pretty impressive. I mean, the moves you got. And to be fair, you don't see the appeal in colored shirts. So, <laughs> you know, that is true. Yeah. No. So I'm, where does your dance background come from? Well, um, I'm started dancing at three. I'm classically trained in ballet, and I've been dancing my whole life. So, and Ricky wanted something very wacky to open up the film and kind of set the tone for how wacky and silly uh, Bridget is as a creator. So that kind of almost sums up her character a little bit, just how 
you know, it's, it's very playful and silly. And then it gets really intense in that opening number. And then it gets like horrifically bloody. And that, I feel like that's like a perfect, perfect little segue into this. It, yeah. By the way, in, in real life, uh, Anna, her older ego, Dahlia Dumont, does, I, I call it like a David Lynchian bloody dark burlesque. It's not like foo-foo burlesque, but it's, uh, it, it's dark, it's interpretive. Although we have one other Goonie number where she does, she's trying to get classy, and she does to this Stephen Foster, slumber, my darling. Okay, so there's <laughs> a silly burlesque number in there, too. What is Lynchian dance like? Ooh. I'm I'm very curious because the only thing I can imagine is like Twin Peaks with red curtains and a pattern on the floor. Uh, w- the question was, what is like a, a Lynchian burlesque? Yeah. yeah, like like what is the kind of routine you do, and where do you perform? Well, I I, I I perform anywhere and everywhere. You know, just depends. Um, and I guess it's more like a sur- like a surreal kind of experience. I would say is probably what you mean, right, Rick? Well, it's it's original. It's different. It's totally her creation. But it's uh, I, I mean, it fits perfectly with horror films. And in terms of God, we've been doing live shows now for twelve years together. Uh, this last weekend, we were just in Portland, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. Uh, we're actually coming from New York next Saturday, then San Francisco Sunday. Hell, we've been Brazil, Canada everywhere in between with the film the last few months. So you might That's say great. we're getting around. So and, and, uh, you were saying that, you know, you, you performed a lot, you know, doing the dancing in the, in the movie, you know, performing at a place. Um, oh, what's, uh, oh, uh, da, 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 I'm looking at the character's name. I can't Teddy's remember. Tavern. Yes. Yes. Teddy's Tavern. Thank you. So at, How like, could you forget that? Man? I know it was at the tip of my head. Is one of my favorite things of the movie. I, you know, th- those shirts, a plus on the shirts. Uh, those were terrific. But, um, but you know, have you performed in a venue as horrible as as if you run into people as horrible as you know that character in the film? You know, because I come from stand up, and uh, you know, I've done some horrible hell gigs myself. So it's like you know, working in that sort of environment was that something that you know you kind of brought from real life. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, I guess we've all come across like some really like not nice people. I haven't like had that in that kind of intensity. I would I, hope I, not. I've, played, <laughs> I've obviously like uh, done performances in little bar. You know, like I, I I like to to do silly performances, and sometimes it's in like little weird you know corners of a bar or something like that. You know, um, but yeah, not. Well, well, well here, crazy. here's the other thing is uh, her husband, who accompanies her to shows, uh, was a sparring partner in a pro stable on and off for 25 years. I've had my nose fixed twice. I was born in Watts and grew up in South Central. So, no, nobody gives her shit. That's there right. Nobody gives me any shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to talk to him. <laughs> No, hundred percent. No, you're talking. You're touring the film, and I'm curious. I was kind of taken aback by how um, untimely your film feels, and I, it's weird, even like uh, trying to approach the topic. But we're we're in an age where cinema is incredibly PC, 
and even like champions of like the incorrect like drag queens i feel like they've kind of been like herded into like this comfortable zone and your movie was incredibly refreshing and i kept thinking how is this playing to a crowd like are people getting are they happy with how unfiltered and authentic your movie feels or are people walking out like offended okay here's here's a san francisco story okay so I grew up in a mostly African-American environment, but back in the 50s, early 60s, uh, it was homophobic. And I didn't even realize that I had this homophobic thing in my head. And then I'm in San Francisco, 1969. I'm taken to a show of the Cockettes. And that was C-O-C-K-E-T-T-E-S. And it was an epiphany. It was my first exposure to, to Betty Boop, Max Fleischer, Cab Calloway, Josephine Baker. And a month later, I'm in a dress performing and directing for the Cockettes. Uh, so uh, San Francisco really gave me my start. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I guess, I guess these are my people. <laughs> yeah, no, I well, mean, we, well, you got to find them one way or another. Well, why not the cockettes? At at another hole in the head, they've programmed some pretty like at least in terms of the moment culturally, like dicey films and everybody rolls with it. And I, you know, I that's what originally drew me to film. Was it's kind of a way that you get to look at other people and the way they live and you know, have a nuanced view. But there's so much especially in horror, it's so safe lately. And when I watched your film, I was like, wow, dude, we have a couple of little people in here. That's something Disney wasn't even going to cast a minute ago. You know, it's like fantastic characters. And it just felt like anything could happen. And that I was in good hands, which I can't. I mean, we do a fucking film podcast. It's the hackiest thing on the planet. But there's not a lot of it. And we watch a lot of films. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've been touring it. Are people like. Hey man, what the hell is this? Why you got little people in here? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, that you want to? No, go ahead. Go baby. ahead. Okay, so I'll I'll take that on. Um, basically, I mean, this movie it, it seems rather silly, but if you look at the story, it's like a total female empowerment and inclusive story. That, you know, we let the bad guys really be bad guys. Because, like, I feel like what you were saying, the audience isn't used. They're they're so, like, spoon-fed these easy Mm -hmm. tales. And it's, like, we're not used to being, like, let's say, like, offended, letting the bad guys be truly evil. And that's the whole point of this. It's, like, like, my character, Bloody Bridget, she wants to seek revenge and, like, take care of all these bad guys. The other thing I want to do is make the audience laugh cry and piss in their pants. I did two out of those three things. I'll leave that up to you. You didn't cry. Was that it? There we go. We'll see you next week. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think it's a fantastic film. And And I think, and uh, sorry, but uh, it hits all the hallmarks that we, we want in a Richard Elfman movie. You know, and, and like you were saying, Richard, it's like, you don't care if we're rude, but like, as long as we're not boring. And I feel that is a perfect sentiment to describe all of your films. It's like, you're good. You can experience a lot of things. You will not be bored in a Richard Elfman movie. <laughs> That's a fact. 
Uh, and we're, we're putting together a, a live band of some local friends. And Anna's got her bloody burlesque to open up the show. Someone will die before the film opens. Up. <laughs> and you're touring with that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fucking. Oh, that's right. I did see that book. So who's, who's made, making up the band? Uh, well, believe it or not, a, a dear old friend of mine, William Winant, who was in the original Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, is now a world-renowned percussionist, teaches at Mills College, uh, but he's helping me put a band together. We're, we're doing this right now. And uh, Anna's the burlesque department. You know, so, so we're covered. We're covered. Uh, yeah, now I just have to find a, a victim. Although I, uh, not, not meaning to be discriminatory against the Canadians, but we were just in Brazil and Canada, and I found better percussionists in Brazil. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Not shocked by that revelation <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right. Well, Richard, where did uh, Bloody Bridget come from? Like, wh- where was the inception of this film? Well, it, that, that's a very deep, intricate story how. I looked at my wife. I went up into my little riding garret upstairs, uh, got drunk on whiskey, smoked a cigar, and wrote the damn thing in three weeks. And then I said, I, I fucking had it with Hollywood and the meetings and the endless deals that never happen and get strung out. And I said, fuck it, damn it. So we upped the mortgage, got the credit card limits raised, and just went and shot the damn thing uh, with friends family, fans. Uh, it was like a total pirated operation. So, so we got to do a- anything we damn please. We've got no partners or lenders to deal with. I mean, we do have the bank and the mortgage, but we'll work it out. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. And, yeah. and with all that risk, is, is that worth the reward for you? Hell yes. Yeah. yeah. This is what we, we live for art and we're willing to take chances for art. And uh, there you are. That's what life is, man. And that's why, you know, we're happy to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. So, now, Anastasia, I'm curious. I, um, I've had a long relationship with, like, Troma. And I saw that you've worked with them a little bit. And I think Troma fits in here because they've always felt like their brand was kind of counterculture. Like, we're going to make the art even if it's not okay. And uh, only recently have I started buying into it. And I'm I'm curious, does any of that like energy come into this production or have you like tapped into that as a resource for this film? Can I answer that? Yeah, uh, please. Well, a film that Anastasia co-starred in was just released by Troma, although I respect Lloyd Kaufman, but what we do isn't at all what he does. But believe it or not, the night before we come to San Francisco, Shockfest in New York, She's killing Lloyd Kaufman on stage. Oh, boy. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. Also, this is not recorded, so your secret is safe. <laughs> yeah, but that's per- I'm just I'm curious what their like life has been. And I feel like they're getting new talent in there. And Anastasia, this has been my first introduction to you. And it was a strong one. So I'm looking back through your catalog and I'm just. I'm wondering if, like, what the vibe is over there. Uh, first of all, that is not is not your introduction to Anastasia. Thank you very much. That's right. Okay. Yeah. What Are you going to correct you? me? Oh, uh, we we both we talked to the filmmakers uh, from the Once and Future Smash, uh, which you both yeah. are in. Oh, 
So I would say that is the introduction. They're both in yeah. our film. Our friend Sophie Wait. and Michael, they're, they're, they're victims. I save her and kill him. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know they were in the movie. Yeah, they're like, like, they're like our best friends. They live down the street from she, us. She was the one oh, sitting great. on the bus stop and a guy tried yeah, to I don't know her. And then she oh, them. okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you guys know, but yeah. They're yeah. great. Yeah, they're Dear so friends. great. Yeah, they're great. I've been in a bunch of their stuff. So besides that one, other other short films that they've Yeah, those two are indie machines when it comes yeah. to horror movies. Constantly, like like never ending creativity and just working on on all kinds of indie films. I love it. But yeah, back to your question about the trauma experience. When I was, when I got like first attached to the film, um, uh, Kill Dolly, Kill Dolly, Deadly 2, um, it was with my friend, uh, Heidi Moore, the director and creator. Uh, it was like seven or eight years ago and trauma was not involved. And I shot my scenes like over a couple films and then I didn't hear anything else. And then all of a sudden, it's at, uh, what was it, Fantastic Fest. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I just, you know, it's like, I don't like to, I don't want to, like, harass anybody over a film. Like, when's it coming out? Yeah. You know, because it's like, there are friends and happy to support. But that was so exciting. So I, I didn't technically have the trauma experience. It was a totally different project. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That makes me worried a little bit now. I feel like Troma's just got a good acquisition department and they're like buying up things that fit their brand, which honestly, awesome. I think y'all have done it better here with Bloody Bridget. And, I, you know, normally me and Clark, we try to watch these movies together, but we didn't we didn't make the time to do it. And um, right before we started recording, we were saying we wish we did because this is a movie that needs to be seen with a group of people. This is the, This is a party movie. And. Oh, yeah. I don't know if live performance, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm lying to these people and it makes me uncomfortable, but the burlesque, I can't, I've, we're in San Francisco and I've been to many burlesque shows and I'm usually bored to tears. Cause I'm like, what is this? Like, it's like a halfway strip club or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, there's nothing there. But in that little beginning part, we, uh, there was a full story and it kind of, it it leads you to the whole narrative of the movie. And I just thought that dance was very like Hitchcockian, romantic, and it was rewarding. Well, wait a second, I'm, I'm writing trigger. all this down. I'm writing all this down. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I mean, and you know, here's the thing. We do this podcast because we like to look at indie film. And I feel like a lot of times critics waste their time on, I don't know, hacks like Scorsese. And I'm like, there's a lot to be had here with people who don't have a production team breathing down them. And they can do whatever the fuck they want. And I, I look at your movie and I'm like, it's a shame that I only knew about Bloody Bridget because George tapped us in. And I'm like, this film is exactly why we do this show. And I, I really, I'm trying to fill you up with hot air so that you can maybe turn into your own company and keep this production going. Um, it's fantastic job. I, I promise I'm done with that now. No more tangents of compliments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say it's it's a definite like original not watered down uh Richard Elfman vision and story going on, you know, like nobody messed with him and he was free to go insane. Oh, I ayata. For our listeners, he's giving us a very toothy smile right now. <laughs> <laughs> Audio. Okay, well Let's talk about the titular Tony from the Tavern. 
Yeah. He he was so refreshing. Um, Clark informed me when we Tom Ayers before we started talking that he's he's a stand up comic. You yeah, said? I I have heard his name. Uh, I'm a I'm an old comedy geek, so uh, you know I, I I know a lot of the old players, and uh, was familiar with his name and uh, killed it in the film. <laughs> Absolutely killed it. He's he's also a, a fine dramatic actor. Huge uh, list of IMDb credits. Been in a million TV shows. Yeah, he's a great, a great job. Comic, and and uh, uh, most of the stuff he did on stage was his own improv. I just said, "Go, Tom." Although that little bit of of him uh, masturbating under the table while watching the dancers that that was from my direction, and I said I, I needed more poignant and sensitive. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I I think I feel I feel more comfortable that that came from you rather than him <laughs> improving that. Hey, hey 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 Tom Tom, do you mind dropping your pants? <laughs> <laughs> Now, I have to ask, I was watching this with my wife and I, sorry, I, and I, I had the feeling that that was like, almost like unbelievable. Like nobody would do this, but I have Anastasia here. Is that a problem that has ever occurred during burlesque? Like, there's no way dudes are that like. Dudes are dudes, dude. <laughs> not, not. Not that I've noticed. I mean, I'm probably too worried about my choreography and, and getting things off at the right cues, you know? And plus, just, you know, with the stage lights, you may not can see the whole crowd. Who knows? On there. Or, 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 or her jealous, angry Xbox or husband of the audience. Screaming. That's right. Yeah, see, he's on patrol. So, you know, he'll take him down before she even sees it. He's got to let everybody know before the show. Good behavior around me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know who didn't have good behavior was Tony. And I have to say, he was so refreshing. It was almost like the icebreaker you needed. He kind of sets the tone for the movie. And I think it's really important that it was him because it took a like nuance of he had to be scummy and rude and um, kind of scary. But also you had to feel comfortable around him. And I did. And now it clicks that he's a stand up comedian because with the chairs upturned and he's saying vile shit and then it you cut and it's only the crew there yeah you're like well, who the fuck is this guy and i don't fantastic thank you sorry thank i thought you were about to say something yeah <laughs> so richard when you have when you have an actor like that and and you know with tom with his you know stage experience and obviously you know acting experience you know when you have someone like that with that history do you are you uh, able to kind of turn the keys over to them and let them improv? Is that well, something you kind of let your actors do? Here's what I do. I, I wasn't able to do this back in film days, but with uh, digital uh, photography, I'm there with two cameras, and I'm working really fast. I've got a lightning-fast crew, and, and all the actors are fine, even though it's like a, a silly, campy film. I have serious, dramatic actors with tons of background. So once I get my take, I said, I've got it. We're going to do one more, do anything the fuck you want. And half the time I get something better than what I had written. Just letting them, and actors love it. Actors just love that because there's a safety net. We've got the take, we're covered. You, you can't fail. And, and so uh, Tom really ran with that. But say so, like you, you implemented that really sort of with the digital camera, so you weren't able to do that with like the Forbidden Zone. 
no, I mean, film was too expensive and it was a much slower process. I mean, here I'm able to go three times as fast with two cameras. And also we scored a really good uh, lighting package. So the crew was able to move lightning fast. But most of uh, filmmaking on a set is waiting for them to light the damn set. Uh, sure. So anyway, uh, we, we were we had a great cat, a great crew on this one. Yeah, an amazing crew actually, because you know I was in almost every scene. So sometimes I was going from you know some emotional scene to like uh, being attacked to having to do some kind of silly scene all in like one day. Uh, so being able to to jump in with my like scene partners and just pick it up. You know, that was that was gold for me. And I felt so supported. And also our, you know, killer effects crew and our amazing uh, makeup and costumers like we were, we were totally taken care of. With the director yelling louder, softer, faster, slower. Yeah, I think I think he got to a point where he had me say my line so fast. I thought I was singing. <laughs> I was like, is this a song now? <laughs> So how long did you have to sit in the in that makeup chair when you made your transformation? For Rick? No, for her. For me? For you. For you. For you. Yeah. Oh, oh, because, you know, he played the devil. Oh, so. we'll get there. We'll <laughs> get there. Okay. Um, for me, it wasn't super long. Uh, I, You know, because we didn't have, we didn't, everything was shot so fast, so we didn't have a lot of time to do. I wanted to be, like, totally head to toe, cover, you know, like, makeup and everything like that. So we just kind of stuck to the face um so i don't know maybe like an hour roughly it wasn't it wasn't too bad i mean the wigs were pre-made yeah the, we had three wigs just in case because we did um we did the the kills back to back to back on on a green screen uh so it was like six kills all day long you know so just in case we got one bloody we had an extra one but luckily i only ruined one at like the end of the day so <laughs> now, in those transformation scenes, um, Richard, where were you pulling inspiration from? Because I saw what I thought was a lot of like Ken Russell, like Lair of the White Worm. But I'm I'm curious because I really liked it. Well, well, part of the inspiration was lack of money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because like normally, OK, the six kills I would do at six different locations and we'd have to schlep the practical effects department, location, location, location. So I had a gimmick where wherever they were at, like say they're sitting across a desk or in a bed or a jail cell or whatever, we'd start there and then we'd go to the green screen and with digital effects, take the set and make it blow away. And we had a great uh, Kevin Kuchever, uh, done like a million shows. This guy's like an old time veteran. Uh, was a friend, did our effects. Uh, took months and months, but we, we got great effects. But poor Anastasia had to basically, okay, she's got like gorilla tape with wires on her arms, this bloody pump, has to dig her nails into the chest, blood all over the place, and then eat this piece of shit heart. It's pumping, but has all kinds of like, like sand and straw and stuff from the floor of the effects department, and, and not wretch. And then, then finally, at the end of the kill, rushed into a cold shower, dressed again, next! Man. Like, 14 hours. You wouldn't think so. She's the daughter of ex-Marines who kind of became...
became hippies, but not entirely, and had to go to Green Youth Camp every weekend along with classical ballet lessons. So Anna's like a hardcore trooper. She'll get injured and not tell anybody. Uh, and always there, never complains. Yeah, yeah. What a wife I have. Wow. <laughs> we, we practiced that one. We did good. <laughs> did I say it right? Oh did. Good job. <laughs> well, it, you know, I have to say those kills, because of the uh, the lack of a budget, you kind of created a, um, I, I can only describe it as like equivalent to a fatality in Mortal Kombat, where it becomes like a, a familiar, like, like, you know, I mean, as a slasher fan, we usually look for variety and kill and like creativity. And even if it doesn't make any fucking sense, we like it. But in this, it was, it became like a comfortable place. And you start rooting for it. And I was actually worried that as the movie went on, we would stop doing it. Where, Because, you know, a lot of films, they just, they'll do it off camera. But man, it's almost like every time it happened, I enjoyed it more and more. So I, I am so happy that you couldn't afford to do it on set. I oh, loved it. No, wait a second. <clears throat> we had sewed effects. So we had a state-of-the-art uh, practical effects department. They do big budget films. So the heart really looks like a heart. It's beating. Oh, yeah. There's tons of blood, uh, but it was just we did it back to back, which saved us a week shooting. But we we had like a top flight practical effects department. And the other thing is the bad guys all really deserved it. And we oh, made yeah. sure to get the performance of them watching their heart come out beating. Yeah. With her telling great. things like, who's the doofus now? <laughs> really great catchphrases that like i can't wait to share with more people because right now if i'm like talking about it nobody knows <laughs> but they're really silly lines that, that ricky wrote um yeah the, 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 the homophobic hillbilly like a cholesterol's a bit high must be all that southern cooking <laughs> <laughs> i can confirm those characters were a trip and i was now clark is from the south and he's educated me as somebody who's grown up in the Bay Area that, you know, that uh, the South is not full of people like that. So I've almost become a little defensive against that caricature. But in this movie, uh, man, I was into it. Yeah. Especially it's fun uh, when, uh, you know, it looked like there may be actually some male rape. I was like, here's the thing I've been calling for for years, like equality in um, sexual violence. And I, <laughs> I mean, the way it played out, man, I can't I can't bring it up enough. People, especially if you're listening to this show, a lot of fucking in this I, movie. I know our audience. This is one I we watch a lot of weird shit here, but y'all need to go out Sunday the tenth to another hole in the head, and we're gonna hang out. We're gonna enjoy this thing, and we're gonna get. A, we're gonna watch Clark's cousins attack a poor man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what we've been waiting for on this show. Yeah. Well, Dude, let I me tell so you. Oh, go ahead. Go no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because we've just had back-to-back -back screenings, and when these kills come up, everyone in the audience is applauding, cheering, rooting. It's like a very, like, every audience we've had is so excited by the film, and it, it's fun because it's like they'll, they'll laugh and they'll gasp and, and you know, all, at all, like, wild different moments of the film. It's like... You, it's like for me watching it with an audience, it's like, I think I know when they're going to think something's funny or whatever, but it's like, it's new every time, but the kills definitely get like an insane reaction. And I love that. Cause you know, I, I love to shock and entertain my audience. So that's perfect. 
in Brazil, Anastasia was literally mobbed after the screening, but women as well as men. Oh, my boyfriend, he should get his heart ripped out like that. Oh, <laughs> now, where, where did you guys screen in Brazil? I can't even imagine what a, like a theater out there would be like. A was theater pretty, like pretty well, well, I, I'm a, a Latin percussionist, so I was in heaven. Uh, I, I mean, it, it wasn't just Brazil. It was southern Brazil. So it was like a, it took us 21 hours to get there, like seven-hour flight, four-hour layover, oh, another seven-hour flight, and then like an hour's sleep. And then I'm at a breakfast with all these international directors who I admire, trying to get some coffee to say something intelligent. But I, I love Brazil. I love the people. I love the culture and the, the music, especially. Uh, no offense, Ken. <laughs> I don't think they've ever taken offense to anything. No. Sweet yeah. people over there. Yeah, don't be offended when you get like an introverted San Francisco audience either. We just yeah. all, we, we got to get hugged and warmed up a little bit and then they'll be good. Well, that's what the live pre-show is about, okay? So we're going to get everything warmed up <laughs> so we can have a fun time during the screening. And I hope you guys make it out and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to miss that. Also, you guys are going to be showing at the Four Star, which is, like, newly remodeled, and it's probably my favorite independent theater out here right now. So it's really going to be a good fit for this movie. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm putting the band oh, together now, right now. Like guys have been texting me, believe it or not, during the podcast. <laughs> oh, how dare they? <laughs> Wait, now, I got to ask you about, uh, is his name Jean Charles? The Baron yeah. Samidi? Baron Samidi. Actually, Samad uh, Samadai. Yeah, from, okay. from Haiti. Dude, I think I have a crush on that dude. <laughs> I, I turned to my wife at one point, and I'm like, God. Is he handsome or is, I don't know what it was, the makeup or something, <laughs> but I totally bought into that character. And I thought he had one of the most, he had the perfect like swagger for it. He had the best voice for it. And I'm, I'm curious, where did that element of this story come from? Like, is this born of folklore completely or was that? No, the folklore yeah. thing is for real. Just like uh, in uh, Jamaica, the Rastafarians, you know, kind of worship Haile Selassie, the former Emperor of Ethiopia, and his name in Ethiopian is Tafari, and Ross is king, and Ross Tafarian. But if you go to Haiti right now in the folk religion, uh, Baron Samadai, top hat, cigar, rum, chasing women, his wife uh, is a red haired Irish woman, St. Bridget from Ireland, who was previously the Celtic goddess Bridget. Uh, you know, so in the ceremonies, you know, one guy gets the top hat, a woman gets the red haired wig. This is based on real folklore. It's in my music with uh, Afro-Latin uh, percussion. I end up studying the cultures uh, and, and, and the, the, the folk deities and each one with a different rhythm. Uh, so I, I'm actually quite immersed in that. A boom, I can boom, tell. Boom. Yeah. I felt like I learned a lot watching the movie, which I also thought was shocking. And the kind of like the journey through like religion too. And I'm, was that like part of the intent with the script initially, or did that just like happen organically? Happened organically, but it, it's, it really, you know, like in uh, Haiti, uh, the voodoo followers uh, mostly also consider themselves Catholic as well. 
you know, religion's religion. You know, people believe what they believe. And I'm just fascinated by it. And I incorporated some of it. Uh, yeah, Jean, yeah, here was the problem. Okay, so I'm interviewing him. And he was, the guy's a total gentleman. He was very concerned that there's like this brief lovemaking scene. Uh, and he says, you know, well, okay. And I said, like, first of all, there's going to be kryptonite between the two of you. And I'm her goddamn husband. And that was the fastest thing we shot in the film. It was like, uh, action, cut, next. <laughs> you can imagine how romantic it is on a overlit, like, green screen stage with the crew crowding over and my husband, you know, like, it, it was radically fast. No, but they, yeah, yeah, the guy's a fucking Adonis. You know, he's like a male model. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't write it, so... <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't help but think about that too. Total gentleman. Uh, he'll have a big part in Bloody Bridget too. Our, our little lawyers, Daniel Dershowitz and Daniel Dershowitz Jr., the little people, and we have a big sequence: uh, the devil and Daniel Dershowitz. Okay, so the yeah. devil gets involved. It isn't just a threesome between uh, Pepe Bridget and Samadai, but the devil comes in, and we had some sore bottoms the next day. Not getting into that, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, he makes the, the little Jewish lawyers, uh, I'm Jewish, so I could say that, they were yarmulkes, but he makes them go to Ireland and infiltrate themselves into the leprechauns to recover something. They have to disguise themselves as Irish leprechauns. Very poignant. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> now, the Daniels may be my favorite part of the movie. They are so charismatic. So good. And I love how it felt like they were backed with like dialogue that reflected actual like legal like, did you learn law to make this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pass the bar. I, 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 yeah. The bar four times during the three weeks that I wrote it. <laughs> Dude, they're incredible. But now I, I'm curious. Now in Haiti, uh, let me ask you a, a, a historical question. Oh, here we go. Now, if you're a, a voodoo practitioner, do they consider that still like paganism out there? If they're also Christian? No, no. It's just uh, religion. Just like you know, being Mormon, Catholic, Protestant here. It's just their religion. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because when you get that trio Not together, everything is pagan, you metalhead. Well, <laughs> how dare you? How <laughs> dare you stereotype me? No, I, I thought it was interesting that we have like a Jewish char uh, characters, a Christian, and then it feels like we're starting a bar joke. And then yet Tony, <laughs> he's the only character that's like, I would say rude in the film. And it seems like there's ample opportunity for these characters to take shot at each other's religion, yet they work copacetically. So it was almost like a call for unity. And I'm not a fan of those bumper stickers, but I, I thought you did a good job there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we did have a scene after the marriage in the church with the priest and the Jewish lawyers telling religious jokes. <laughs> Always a good start. Yeah. My, my favorite might have been Bridget in the confessional. Like, I wasn't yeah. sure. I'm like, is this, is that like kosher? Is this an okay? Kosher. I, I know. Yeah. I'm no, no, it, it wasn't kosher. Yeah, <laughs> definitely was not. By, by the way, the, the fellow who played the priest, uh, Alejandro Patino, was in my original Forbidden Zone as one of the students sitting in the front row. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. 43 years ago. Yeah, he'll be well, yeah. So has it 
has it been 43 years since you've reprised your role as the devil as you do here? Uh, God, I've, I've been killed in various horror films. I've been kind of dressed up as, as demon characters. Uh, it was Dan, my brother, Danny played the devil in forbidden zone. So, uh, he gave me a ton of music for this, but I couldn't get him in the devil costume. So I did that, <laughs> uh, along with scoring the film with our bandmate Ego Plum, uh, Los Angeles's animation music king, up for an Emmy right now. But uh, we had, I've got Oingo Boingo covers, I've got Big Mess covers, you know, along with the score, but I couldn't get Danny in the devil suit. Although I have to say, being in that full devil attire, probably the most respect I got from the crew in the <laughs> so how how long was that process getting you all deviled up okay that was a big one that, that was yeah. hours and then i'm stuck in the damn thing because we did the the devil thing last at the end of the day so i've, I've had it on for 12 hours and they're gluing it and re-gluing it uh but yeah i, I mean it was fun it was fun it, was, it looked great uh, it was a hell of a you know working as a director in a full devil prosthetic <laughs> although I, I i might do that again because it, it really got me some respect <laughs> yeah you know that yeah just always got to show up 12 hours earlier to get the devil stuff and then <laughs> then you direct yeah all right russ uh what else we got for i don't know i'm curious does this mean that you're you're coming back and we're going to start doing features on your terms you're going to do an indie thing or are you going to ride this out a little bit and see if you can pay off the mortgage? Like, what's the future here? Uh, believe it or not, I'm um, just signed to develop some animations, both kids and adults. Uh, the adult animation, I'm going to push the envelope. Okay. Can you talk about that at all? We expect nothing less out of you, Richard. <laughs> so it's it. Godspeed, uh, of course. I can't talk about it yet, but, uh, you know, this along with Bloody Bridget 2 and then my bucket list film is Forbidden Zone 2. And I've come close a couple times to making it. Didn't quite get there. It's uh, clearing the rights. It's a similar formula to Forbidden Zone 1, where I've got like a dozen great old timeless tunes and then a new score by my brother Danny and Ego. But I want to do it right, and I can't do it right till I've got the money. But I can't die until I do it, because it's Forbidden Zone 2 is my bucket list. So. Uh, you know, we'll do Bloody Bridget 2 first. A little bit easier because I don't have all that old music to clear. Yeah. Yeah, and Bloody Bridget, we're just starting our um, uh, festival run right now. So we're trying to get the word out there, you know, because, like, it's a completely indie film. So we're, we mm -hmm. don't have <laughs> the, the, the big press, you know, so it's, like, by word of mouth and just, like, trying to, Trying to get that out there for everybody because it's a it, it's a fun time. I I think the world not only of horror but of like indie film can really use you right now too, like both of you. And I think this is going to be a breath of fresh air. And um, yeah, I can't I can't state it enough. I watched it. And I was like, holy shit, this is you know because we run a film fest on our own, and it's kind of like you expect to see all this like crazy, raw, unfiltered just film and it's just not there it's just not there and um yeah i don't know the, the feeling i got watching this was kind of like i don't it felt like john waters or something like i'd watched a movie that you know had helped mold a culture 
And then, you know, we're, we're here years later on, except it, you know, it's 2023. People just don't make movies like this anymore. And I, I highly stress you all go see it. As Air Bay Fausto, little, our little king in uh, Forbidden Zone said, I even have a whole army of zombie. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, and again, like we said, you guys are in good hands with another hole in the head. I think it's it may be the longest running film festival in San Francisco. Uh, I think they're celebrating 20 years. Is that right, Russ? Yeah. Yeah. 20. So, you know, um, you know, we, we've been a big fan of theirs and, uh, you know, they help us out and, uh, yeah, happy to uh, talk to you guys and look forward to uh, seeing the show. Hey, thank you for having us. And we look forward to actually meeting you uh, December 10th in San Francisco. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you all so much for hanging out. Thanks guys. Yeah. Have a good night. And man, I, for everybody who said they're tired of like, shit, I need to go watch this movie. <laughs> That's my final threat. There you go. <laughs> all right. I love you all. Thanks uh, everybody. This will be up on Thursday. We'll have them. Oksana send it out to you and we'll be in touch with George. Um, thank you guys for taking the time. And I mean, everything I said, it was very refreshing watching your film. And I hope this is the first of many. And I, Great time. Thank you. Are we allowed to do like a little plug with our? Yeah, please do. Sure, yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm trying to get all of Ricky's fans to 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 know that he's on social media. So he's on Facebook and Instagram, and all of our films, Forbidden Zone, Bloody Bridget, and Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks, are all on Facebook and uh, Instagram. They each have their own profiles, and I am too. So Anastasia Elfman on Facebook, and then I'm under my stage name, Dahlia DeMont, on Instagram. Dahlia, D-A-H-L-I-A. Dahlia. Russell's going analog, handwritten style. I am. I'm wondering, (laughs) sure, please, yeah. We'll include all this in our uh, metadata when we put the episode out uh, Thursday. Yes, and we'd love to cross-promote, and if you need any, like, any any like the the our press kit photos whatever we love to like support and you know send fans your your way photos please that'd be good headshots we'll use it for the thing but also where the hell's the tiktok profile anastasia come on i'm like year old vampire i'm not on tiktok <laughs> yeah don't worry i'm not either <laughs> so i'm I get barely it. keeping up with the facebook and the instagram it's like i've got different audiences on either one and neither will cross over so i could just do one you know what i mean so yeah, it's very no. annoying <laughs> yeah welcome to 2023 yeah all right well i love you guys thank you for hanging out we'll we'll see you on sunday all right. And, uh, See you Sunday. Thank you. Thanks right. so much, guys. Bye, y'all. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. 
And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.